What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Watching Tottenham on a Tuesday night You play Thursday cause you're What a feeling, what a night Hello and welcome to What a Night, part of the 90 Minute Podcast Network talking all things Tottenham Hotspur It's just myself, Sean Walsh today Jude and I haven't been able to find time to sit down and record a pod together recently You know, Our, our schedules haven't aligned very well but I wanted to take some time to talk about things relating to Spurs, so that's why I'm here today. Before we get into the actual football, I want to start with an important notice, though. If you follow me on Twitter or you're just quite active in Spurs online circles, then you may know what I'm about to discuss. Earlier this month, we mourned the passing of lifelong Spurs fan Charlie Brookfield at the age of only 25. He was obsessed with Spurs, following in the footsteps of his father. Charlie was regularly seen in Tottenham colours. His only two tattoos were dedicated to the club, including one over his heart. He would never miss a game no matter where he was. The loss of Charlie is one that has ripped through our community. A lot of people are hurting. A lot of people are shocked. A lot of people are devastated. On Monday, I sent out a tweet aimed at Tottenham fans heading to Saturday's match with Everton to clap in the 25th minute in Charlie's honour. That's a message that I want to relay here but I also want to send my appreciation for the support this movement has received so far. Charlie's family and closest of friends have been overwhelmed by the traction it has received. We're also thankful to the Everton fans who have shared this message as they prepare to come down from Merseyside. I hope in the coming days more and more people see this message. I've honestly been so blown away by some of the messages, the support, the retweets, the reposts. I go on Instagram now and my explore feed is... It's the same picture that I used of him and just the message of how many people can we get this to. So it's been it's been amazing to see what kind of football can bring together and can do. And I do hope that on Saturday that there is an applause in the 25th minute for Charlie because this is it's been really tough. So I hope that he will be watching and I hope that people will be clapping and we hope to give him 
the send-off that he really deserves because he was a beloved figure in our community. May he rest in peace. Before looking ahead to Everton on Saturday, I want to reflect on the Forest and Newcastle wins because, you know, I can't remember the last time we recorded a pod and you know, Spurs had won, so you've got to get him in while you can. It's great that we can score more than one goal again and actually show some conviction that Ange Postacoglu has really wanted to see, that he really hammered home after the new, uh, the West Ham loss. Sorry, It's nice that Rick Charleston can score goals again. Um, I think that I was at the Newcastle game and he just looked far better physically and technically after he had the groin pelvic surgery or whatever it was. I can't remember if I said it on a pod before. I, I said it to someone. It might be my dad or something. I don't know. He'll, he'll probably flag this up with me. I'll speak to him. When Richardson played against Spurs before, he always looked quite quick. And there was a game. It was the first day of the 2020-21 season where we lost 1-0 to Everton. I think it was a Calvert-Lewin header in the second half from like a free kick or something. It was, really, it was a really crap game. I remember that. But there was a chance where Ben Davis has tried to play it back to Hugo Lloris. And it's really under hit. And Lloris is kind of caught whether, you know, does he come out and get it or does he just leave it and wait to close down the striker? And the striker running through is Richarlison. And in this clip, I need to dig it out and post it on Twitter or something. But he is so quick. He is so rapid. And it's it's you know, it's quite typical of Richarlison. He hits the bar with it. Um, but I just remember that really kind of standing out to me. It really popped off the screen how quick he was. And I haven't really seen him move like that in a Spurs shirt this was the closest it's probably been in this Newcastle game it wasn't like necessarily like kind of like a little speedster or something but it was more like just he just fluid in his movement he wasn't so clunky because I think since he since he's been at Spurs with Charleston things have seemed right he never kind of gets the right bounce of the ball and now I think that it kind of plays into this injury this underlying issue that he's had it makes a lot more sense because in this game he had a lot more control of the ball his touches were so clean the way that he struck the ball, just even outside the goal, like the way he struck the ball, it was more conviction in that. And I think he, sp- he spoke to uh, the international media after the match, and he did say the way he used to strike the ball in the last few months, in the last year or whatever, it hurt him. It physically hurt him to hit it as hard as he could and as clean as he could. So now we're seeing more of the player that he really should be. And it, you know, it's no coincidence that now. He's actually scored his first goals with, for Spurs with his feet, so he's looking like a real. You don't want, you don't want to jinx it, but if he's playing this way, then this is someone who can be a real fifty million, sixty million pound asset that Spurs signed a year ago. The player that we all thought he was going to turn into, the player that Brazil fans say that he is for them. And I've seen kind of a few debates. You know, if there is still interest from Saudi Arabia there and they come with a big bid and Spurs have the chance to make their money back, you know, would you take it? Would you go and take that and go and just start the kind of striker forward search over again and fill that hole? I probably wouldn't in January just because I think that there's a lot of other holes that need need, need filling first. Because I think, so we will talk to it later about um, some of the transfer targets they got, but it sounds like the priority is centre-back. And then from there, can Spurs get in a midfielder and a, um, a versatile forward? Selling Richarlison means having to go and find another forward, I feel. And I don't think that Spurs would sell Richarlison, or I don't think Postacoglu would sanction the sale of Richarlison unless he was promised that that hole is being filled, that his starting striker, and he, he did say in his press conference that he, he believes his striker, and I'll come back onto that in a sec, 
that it, there's no way that it's going to happen I think that's just my personal thing don't that's not like a the club haven't told me that or anything but I would just hold on to him. I'd see how the season goes first you know if he can get to you know 11 12 goals this season I think that that's enough to really why would you want to sell him if he gets to that the only reason you want to sell him is if his form falls off a bit or he gets injured and you think that there isn't really another chance to for him to really shine like you imagine in the summer that Spurs will go out and try and find another forward I've talked a lot about the need to, for Spurs to get another dynamic winger in and maybe that moves Son centrally permanently maybe that's the plan it's a nice segue to Son because I want to give him a lot of credit and if you follow me on Twitter or listen to this podcast for over a couple of years then you'll know that I've been really banging the drum about how Son is really underappreciated not just in wider circles I think in Spurs circles as well I do think that he is still underappreciated I think he's got his flowers a little more this season because Kane's gone and he's like the legend who stayed basically and he seems to be the one that the fans really warm to now he makes more of an effort it feels like he is kind of like he wasn't brought up through Spurs but he's adopted Spurs and he cares more than Kane did that's the way that it seems I didn't know that he had that kind of winger performance in him still I thought that he started the season quite poorly on the wing I was not impressed in the Brentford or Man United or Bournemouth games really and then he moved centrally against Burnley and he scored the hat-trick and it's like okay that's the, that's the way it's going to be now and he played there I think someone might have to correct me he, I think he exclusively played as a number nine until this Newcastle game and he just looks so natural as a kind of posticogly forward like someone's quick off the mark he some of the finishes like against Arsenal away the first goal that he scored like the ability just to get between three gigantic defenders and just flick it into the corner the way he did it's really hard to do it's scoring goals is the hardest part of football it really is and that's why the strikers get the big bucks that's why they cost the most I thought that was going to be his position but now I'm starting to think if he had surgery over the summer as well like Richardson cleared up his injury Son cleared up his injury as well he played through last year with a hernia injury but now if he's got a rhythm going and he's fit again can we see him on the wing again more often and then so Postacoglu post-match when he was talking about why did he swap Richardson and Son despite them playing in different positions all season he just basically explained it with you know most of our best chances in the last few games have come from wide areas Son's Spurs' best finisher it made sense to put him out there which I thought was quite it's, it's, it's really smart logic I think it's kind of gone under the radar that in this Spurs game in sorry in this Newcastle game the chances came from centuries, but I guess that's because Son was setting them up, so, you know, it makes more sense. I was also been really impressed in the last couple of games by Brendan Johnson. Um, he only played about 30 at Forest, but he played um, real significant minutes and played really, really well in that Newcastle game. So unlucky not to get a goal himself. Had that, um, hit the post in the first half as well, actually. Um, just bounced off the post towards the end. In the second half, just after Richardson made it 3 0, he comes in, really nice run inside off the wing. And he strikes it. He hits it like really. I think he's purposely going for that top corner. And he's. It's really a matter of inches. It just bounces off the inside of the post and like rolls back across the line and it goes away. And it's like, ah, oh, so close. But I've been really impressed. I really am excited about what he can become. And I, and 
I'm way more on board with the signing now than I was when it happened. I was quite wasn't anti Brendan Johnson when Spurs were first. I was questioning the logic behind it because he didn't amaze me at first. He got like ten goals last season, I think, and I think about five assists, which are, the numbers are good. Forest don't particularly play good football. And I think in hindsight that really is more impressive than it stands to reason why Spurs are interested. He can be this dynamic winger. He's versatile. He can play on the left or the right. He can play through the middle if you really need him to. And he's got the right tools to be the kind of Postacoglu player. And something I'll come back into a bit. There must be like a character element to him where Postacoglu's seen something he's spoken to him and he's just really liked it. There's something there. Everyone, that, everyone that's bought in this season has really improved, it feels like. So that's really promising. I have to speak about Dejan Kulisevsky as well, you know, his resurgence. There's that old clip of, I think it was after the 4-2 loss against Man City last year, where Pep Guardiola is in his press conference, he's like, Kulisevsky, oh, what a player, what a player. And that is genuinely what I've been thinking, that clip has been living rent-free in my head um, the last couple of games, because he's just, he looks like his old self again, and it shows people really shouldn't have written him off for like a kind of a finished product after last season. And in hindsight, it makes the job that Antonio Conte did look even worse because we said it so much of last season when that many players are underperforming when only Kane was really overperforming and Bentacle did really well until his injury and then from there the season really fell apart because no one else was really putting their weight but it stands to reason now that is a coaching issue when that many players are not hitting their level and then there's not even like close to hitting their level or overperforming or doing more that is a coaching issue and this season I've been so impressed that Postacoglu has got so many players to perform at such a high level and everyone's had their moment in the sun it feels like you know even guys like Lo Celso Lo Celso who he's been at Spurs I think this is his fifth season under contract at Tottenham now where has that half decade gone really how many ga- how many notable games has Lo Celso played how many notable things has Lo Celso done at Spurs yet he, it seemed like he was free to go in the summer if an offer came in I don't think a significant moment he did he got injured to start the season didn't really play came back for the recent run just after Madison um, went out with an ankle injury and in the Villa and Man City games Lo was really good so even he's had his kind of redemption arc but if you could say about pretty much any of the starters they've all had their kind of moment or week where They've been filling the column inches. They've been filling the opinion pieces. They've they've all had that. Now it's Kulusevski's turn, and I'm really glad because in his first season, he just looked like the perfect kind of player to play with Kane and Son. And that became a problem a bit in the end because Spurs became so tethered to that front three and the way that it would work, and they didn't really have an alternative. Now it feels like Tottenham have a lot of versatile forward options. They can play them in any sort of positions and when everyone's fit I'm really interested to see you know what what the lineup is really going to look like in the biggest of games uh, I called Kulusevski Grealish earlier in the season which I, I feel was accurate at the time like he didn't have the confidence he didn't have that swagger in his step it, it really does seem like the mask has given him a new lease of life maybe um, he just has that burst and confidence back again and when we were talking when he first signed for Spurs from Tottenham we were talking to the Juventus fan in the office, Jack Gallagher, and he said that he's just a, a massive confidence player. If he doesn't have any, then he will go hiding and he will not do anything 
productive. When he's confident, he is a monster. And we are seeing that now. He has been frighteningly good. Like, just physically, technically, the, his work rate, like his hardest work in the league, all these metrics that really show it. He's doing really well as the 10. But even when he sh- gets shifted back to the right, like for the Forest game, he started in the 10, but Brendan Johnson... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details off early and skip played in the 10 he went to the right and he was doing all the things that he was doing there just on the right and it worked still so i'm really pleased with how it's going i'm so happy that you know he's not crocs you know you do fear that after injury sometimes you know i think football moves so quickly for players can that just that can just happen sometimes but i'm really glad that that's not the case with kulazewski we do have to talk about Eve Basuma, sadly, again, not a good way. It really does feel like that Luton game was the turning point in his season and not for the right reasons. Um, I think Bostokoglu said in pre-season, at the start of the season, that Basuma is someone that he kind of turned to to be a leader, being a senior figure. You know, he, he didn't go on international duty over the summer, so he's one of the first players that Bostokoglu got to work with, and he recognised that straight away. He can be an adult in the room. Sadly, still looks like he can't be the adult on the pitch. I do feel a little bit of sympathy in terms of just the red, the red card in this game, in the Forest game. It's harsher when it's played at full motion, but and I know it, this is a whole debate about, you know, should the replays be slowed down or whatever, but it, it's high. Un, unfortunately, it's high. And as a, as a number six, as a defensive-minded midfielder, you have to know your limits. You have to know what are the kind of challenges that aren't allowed what are the kind of what how can you go into a challenge and win the ball cleanly and not risk an opponent's health and stuff like that oh ultimately how, how can you just not get sent off what's what's the action that you're going to do that's not going to result in a red card and it's not going to put your teammates under more pressure because Basuma's now had three suspensions already two for red cards one for the accumulation of yellows sent off twice and gave away that late goal at man city which ended with Grealish scoring but each of those three times, his teammates had dug him out of a hole. Luton game, it was a nil-nil. Van der Ven scored the winner. Spurs hold on. Big three points before the international break. Man City goal. Dan Kluzewski scores an equaliser in the last minute. The day is saved. Spurs take the point and it is a massive point. Somehow, Spurs do cling on this Forest game. I thought Spurs actually defended quite well, but it did feel a lot of the game that Spurs had possession but not control of the game. And Forrest really kind of lent into bending of the rules and this physical stuff. Basically hitting some of the lead pipe at points, you know, but whatever. Um, and now he's 
he's not going to play for Spurs again until the start of February because the suspension takes him into AFCON duty. He'll be missing for a month. You imagine it'll be a month. It could be longer. What are the positives out of it, though? I guess we get to see... You know, now it does feel like... Postecoglou has been quite defensive as players in public, and I think that's probably the right thing to do, especially in this day and age, the way football is now. But now it does feel like there is a real chance for Pierre-Emil Hoiberg or Oliver Skip to stake a claim in the side long-term. Basuma's not here for two months. Show us why you should be the one competing with Bentancourt. Because I think Bentancourt, this is his position long-term. I think that he should be the sixth. He showed it in that brief spell against Villa before... The injury inflicted by Matty Cash, which gets just so more annoying week on week. He is such a smooth operator, and he... If you think of like Bentacle's bad games for Spurs, it's mainly... He hasn't really kind of put it together in the final third. I think defensively he's been largely been fine. And when he's surrounded by players more on his level, he's been fine. I haven't... I don't think we've seen him with Pat Matassar at all, so I'm quite excited to see what that would look like, because... I was so impressed with Sai in the Newcastle game. The Forest game, I don't think he was that good. I, th- I think he grew into it with his energy and his running, particularly when Spurs went down to 10, and that really helped. But the Newcastle game, I was, I was blown away. I wrote this whole piece for the website. Was, I called him like a... was it? Poster Cosby hands Sai the keys to drive his 100-mile-an-hour car, basically. He has this thing where he's, when he's running, it's like he's growing in size, almost like Super Mario in that sense, where you just... He just becomes so dominant. He just makes everyone else look so small. And the way he can run an engine room. It's a, it's a little bit Dembele-esque in the... Just not... I don't mean the dribbling. And I've said this before on the pod. I I don't want anyone compared to Dembele in the terms of like the dribbling or the ball carrying. But in terms of just being the engine, in terms of being that kind of... Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Galvanized? It's not really galvanizing. It's not that. It's someone who kind of lifts everyone, kind of elevates everyone. He allows it, it to be easier for everyone. Because I think Basuma... The Newcastle game was Basuma's first good game in ages. And he just couldn't keep it together at Forest. And there was a number of reasons why that was. The Friday night, the players were fighting for Steve Cooper. The fans were fighting for Steve Cooper. And now he's been replaced by Nuno. Thankfully, we don't have to face that new manager bounce against an old ex. So, it's a big load off my mind. Um, but yeah, I'd like to see Saar and Bentecourt together long term. But now, Hoibring and Skip, who haven't really had much of a look in this season, particularly Skip has a chance now to really prove their worth. And I think it's probably now or never, because it feels like last season they had a long run together again and neither of them really impressed. Hoiberg had a good first half of the season. He lost Bentenko and he didn't really play that well with anyone else. So it's a big couple of months coming up for them, I feel. Last thing from the Forest game, uh, Guillermo Vicario. Just astounded by something that he does every single week honestly like, it's not fair for one man to be that tall and be so sprawling and just be that intimidating and we've been talking in the office um, a few days this week about goalkeepers and just just really how very few big money goalkeeper moves work out it's basically we went through a lot of them and I think the ones that we, we agreed on were Buffon Allison. And De Gea. Those are pretty much the only big money goalkeeper signings that have ever really, truly, undoubtedly worked. It's important in the context of this season. You know, obviously, David Ray's gone to Arsenal instead of going to Spurs. And he just hasn't looked like himself there this season. Andre Onana 
and Manchester United. I I know a lot of United fans have already given up on that experiment. But Vicario came in that sweet 17 mil spot, low profile, but he clearly had the fundamentals to be a decent goalkeeper. It was I don't think that he was ever going to be disastrous, despite some of his performances in preseason. But he, those kinks seem to have been ironed out, so I'm really happy with that. And the other piece of it is that Postacoglu called him on the phone. He loved his character. He loved everything that he was about. And you can really see that in his game this season. You know, his presence and his character really amplify his actual ability. I, I loved the, you know, the shit house with Callum Wilson. If only because Callum Wilson is like one of the Premier League's best shit houses. He's done it to Spurs before, where the twenty twenty one season, Eric Dyer gives away ninety fifth minute penalty for a bogus handball call, and he's, I think he goes to, to, to the interview after and he's just like you got to live with it, you know, handball, whatever. Even though, like, a lot of Newcastle players and the manager was, they were a bit more um, forgiving about it. Um, but really, the save late on against Floyd with his leg, just... <sighs> what a goalkeeper. Really, really hope that that's someone that stays at Tottenham for a long time. Move on to players that we've been linked with in the January window. That's fast approaching. As mentioned, I think that the plan is centre-back plus midfielder and forward if the deal is right, if there's money available, if maybe if there's Deadwood that's shifted, but there's not really a lot of Deadwood available right now, particularly because of the injuries and the AFCON duties and Song goes to the Asian Cup. Um, the first player I've seen linked most recently, Santiago Jimenez. Final striker, really good form, really good numbers. I personally just... I'm put off by strikers and forwards from that division because I've seen I've seen people mention that he has like a, a quick burst of pace that not like he's not necessarily like hugely quick, but he's just quick off the mark enough to beat players to the ball. I do wonder if there's a thing where in the area of busy it's just not the same because Stephen Bergwijn arrived at Spurs tipped as this really pacey, tricky winger, and he just wasn't ever really that. Um, Memphis Depay went to Man United from PSV as well. Similar problems. He didn't look that quick. Anthony. I think everyone knows how much of a disaster he's been at Man United now as well. I'm not saying that you can't be a success from that league. I just think that the odds are stacked against you a little bit. Santiago Jimenez might go somewhere and be really good, but I just... This is the problem when you're a club like Spurs. You do have to take more risks in the market. I just don't know if that's one to make now... Again, it's something like the Richarlison thing, just wait and see in the summer. I, I think that that's what Spurs should really do. It really does seem now like Jean-Claire Tadebo is the top centre-back target. Spurs have at least asked about the terms of a deal. It doesn't seem like it'll be like a huge fee that would be needed. The problem would be Nisa are in a real title fight in Ligue 1. Um, at the very least, it looks like they'll probably get a Champions League spot for go straight for the group stage maybe for the first time that's the problem there United have been extensively linked to him um, obviously there's a link there with Sir Jim Ratcliffe you know whenever that part of the deal gets sorted who knows really but Tadebo is a player I do like not overwhelmed by him in that sense but a good player at least already a France international that's good I've seen a lot of people talking about how would it work with him Van der Ven and Romero and I think there's a fallacy that kind of people have about injuries in that when you think that 
you think that the injury crisis is going only one way and that's oh when everyone's back from injury you know this is it this is the team forever and it's like it's not like that players get added to the injury crisis players come back and other players go out and it's this constantly rotating cast you never know when you're going to actually have a fully fit squad you might never have a fully fit squad there's a good chance that, that probably happens now like every team in world football feels like has a major injury crisis and i think that's, that's a lot to do with the amount of games being played in such a short time and the the intensity is going up and up and up and i think you see that with newcastle like all of their players look shattered and i think that's because they haven't been used to playing in midweek but also the standard that you need to be at to compete in the premier league and top european competition it's just so high now it's it's nuts and the governing boys don't seem to care that much so I do think it makes sense going after a really, 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 really good backup centre-back. He might not even be backup. He might work his way into the starting lineup. There's also... I did have a nightmare scenario where it's like, you know, what if Tottenham believe that Van der Ven's pace is maybe gone? Like, hoping that's just a nightmare. Um, not reported anywhere. I don't, haven't even heard that. It's just a pure nightmare. But it's a good problem to have. You know, it's the old cliche... You, you never have too many good players. Um, in, I mean, I'm really interested to see where this goes for Spurs. I think that would be, I Tadeva probably feels like the ideal profile and player. Whether that gets done, I don't know. It would be really cool if he did though. And finally, let's let's just talk about Everton a little bit. Um, they look really impressive under Sean Dyche. Um, whether it's the ten point deduction or it's just them. They just look like a proper team that you would imagine Sean Dyche's team would play like. Like He has that... Everton is this kind of perfect club for him in that there's such a... There was a siege mentality anyway, even before the deduction. Before they, you know, lit a fire under them. They didn't, they didn't need that, but it's probably helpful to them that they have that anyway now. They weren't really going to challenge for anything in the season, and who knows where they finish with the... If you have the 10 points back. I don't think they're in danger of relegation. I think they're much better than that. I think that they solid mid-table side now um, I was saying the other day to someone that only semi-ironically I do think that United maybe should consider him if they were to get rid of Ten Hag and this is the kind of squad they're building Ten Hag made a big song and dance about um, he wants his team to be the best in transition in the world he's playing a more direct style at United than at Ajax because of the players that are available to him and I think that suits Daesh a little bit more how he would cope with the politics I don't of the club I don't know but I'd be really interested to see what he would do, what kind of big bastard football team he would make with those kind of resources. And they lost to Fulham in the Cup on Tuesday night. Uh, they went out on penalties. You've probably seen Amadou Inanna's hilarious run-up with the chance to win it for Everton. And he just rolls it into Bernd Leno's hands and Fulham got to win the shootout. Big thing for them because they, like Spurs, have a massive trophy drought. This is a competition they really could have done with winning. So hopefully, you know, maybe they're still a bit of down from that. They have played twice since Spurs last played on Friday. So you imagine that's in Spurs' favour. Spurs should be able to at least outrun them. You think Spurs have the quality. You hope that get get a third win on the bounce, get some momentum going again, and then try not to think about what the table would look like if Spurs didn't have all their injuries. Because I've been trying to avoid that. Um... I think we'll leave it there for today. Uh, thank you for listening. Um, please remember the message I said at the start of the pod about Clarence Richard Brickfield on the 25th minute on Saturday if you're going. 
if you haven't left a rating and subscribed yet please do it helps us a lot and we'll see you probably post Christmas When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.